Can we please turn to the Acts of the Apostles? The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. For anyone just new for the Scriptures, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the Acts follow after that. Acts, chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Firstly, I just want to say what a wonderful privilege I feel this to be to stand upon this pulpit to preach the Word of God and how deeply honored I feel myself to be and I know myself to be and also to be aware that I am actually in the midst of a work of God because what has taken place in this tent is a work of God. And I have observed this narrowly for years. And I have seen souls brought out of darkness into God's marvelous light. And how this should fill our souls with a holy awe and a, 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 a tremendous sense of and an awareness that we're in the midst, the very midst of a work of God. <clears throat> and so reading from the Acts of the Apostles and just the very fact Just the very fact that we can read these holy scriptures. We have got the very scriptures that were penned in the very beginning from 2,000 years ago. It's a good thing to when you're reading these scriptures to read them with fresh eyes every single time you're reading them. I make that, I try to be conscious of that every time in the morning when I get up and I go out to my kitchen table and I open up the scriptures and I just, I'm reading the scriptures and I want to really feel that I'm reading it as if I'm reading it for the very first time, as if the very ink is still wet on the page. You read the very words that were given by Christ, by his spirit unto the holy apostles. So we read from Acts chapter one and verse one, and I'm going to read down to verse eight. The former treatise, a treatise is an account, a book. He's talking about the gospel of Luke. The former, the one that went before, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus. O Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God. So it can be perhaps speaking of an individual, a man who was over a region, and a man of uh, rank, a man of importance, who had good influence over a particular people. Or it may have its application. Any of us who are lovers of God. Oh, lover of God. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now mark that word. Began. All that Jesus began to do and teach. We'll come back to that. Until the day in which he was taken up. After that he threw, the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait For the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. 
but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Unto me, witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. So with ever increasing uh, ripples going outwards, all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Just to think, that not long before this, these 11 men were trembling in a house with the doors shut, scared stiff because of what the Jews were going to do with them. But the Lord, the Lord Jesus, by the sending forth of the Holy Ghost, knew that this was going to go to the ends of the earth to fulfill the word of God, his eternal purpose, purposed in Christ before the world began. And he chose these men, mostly ignorant and unlearned men, Men who had no learning, men who had no scholastic teaching, hadn't went to the academies. These were fishermen. These were ordinary working men. But they loved Christ and they knew Christ and they had been with him. Because they, that's a very important, that's a very important principle for those who are in the ministry. It says of Jesus when he was up on the mountain, he called forth unto him whom he would. You, 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 you that they might be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. So they were with him for three years, day and night. They heard all his words. They seen all his acts. And even the very night before he died, he says to them, I've yet many things to say unto you, but you're not yet able to bear them. So, so much to learn. But these 11 men, Christ intended that the gospel should go to the ends of the earth, even unto us, to the ends of the earth. This book was written by, as we know, Luke, a man called Luke. I believe that, 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 that this man, Luke, we, can, we find him in chapter 13 of the Acts of the Apostles, if you want to turn to that. Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene. Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Lucius the Cyrene. Cyrene was in the northern tip of Africa, what would be modern-day Libya. I'm sure we remember Simon of Cyrene, the man who carried the cross for Jesus, when Jesus was carrying the cross to, up to Golgotha. So Lucius of Cyrene, again we read of him in Romans, the last chapter of Romans, Romans 16. And Paul says in verse 21, giving the greetings of those who were with him, Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen, salute you. There's two other occasions in which Luke's name is mentioned in the New Testament. He's mentioned in Colossians, and he's mentioned in Philemon, the small book of Philemon. But he's mentioned in, in perhaps the most poignant and deeply touching way by the Apostle Paul in Paul's last letter. If you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, please. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
Now, <clears throat> this is the Apostle Paul's. Now, in your mind's eye, imagine this. The Apostle Paul, who had preached the gospel throughout all the world, but he's in a prison cell in Rome, and he knows that it's ready for the time of his departure. But what does he tell young Timothy, the minister who's to continue after Paul? All they in Asia have forsaken me. What? All the churches that Paul had founded in Asia have forsaken him. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus? Of all people. He goes on to say, verse 10, For Demas has forsaken me. Someone who'd been with Paul for years, a minister whom he trusted. He's forsaken him. He says, verse 16, when he stood before Nero, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all forsook me. Everybody forsook the Apostle Paul at the very last. Incredible. But what does he say in verse 11? Only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. Oh, the Lord grant us that faithfulness. The Lord grant us that faithfulness and that love of Christ to stand with the true men of God. Only Luke is with me. This was a close bosom companion of the Apostle Paul. Only Luke is with me when we read. But just to touch on that, just on that, on that, that the Apostle Paul, today in that condition, not knowing, because his, his crave and his long and his desire was to be made, to, was to know the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. Now he was experiencing the, the Christ's sufferings in a way that, that, that was beyond what he had experienced, anything like that before, abandoned by everybody at the very last, just like his master. But then to be brought in, can you, can, just a thought of that I was thinking today, just because Christ's longing to see Paul was even greater for Paul's longing to see Christ. That meeting of Christ with the Apostle Paul. Oh, and the experiences that Paul had been through to create that intensity of love and longing to be with Christ. But not knowing that millions, millions, even unto us, through his labors would be saved. We would be his fruit in that day. Wonderful, wonderful that the Lord headed from the Apostle Paul for his own inscrutable reasons but that we should have the very words of the apostle and that through that man's sufferings, that salvation that has come unto us. So he could say, only Luke is with me. It's very good when you're reading the Acts of the Apostles. It's all in the third person, they, Peter, Paul, etc. Up until Acts chapter 16 and verse 10, where you get the first time where you hear the word we. So Luke's including himself. We, so can we go there, Acts chapter 16 and verse 10. Acts chapter 16 and verse 10. I believe it's verse 10. Yes. So Paul had come. I don't want to jump ahead because I want to be speaking about the Apostle Paul, but... To show here verse 10. And after Paul had seen the vision, immediately we, that's the first time the word we occurs in this book. So Luke joined the apostle Paul at Troas. Now there's a good lesson to be learned there. Even though Barnabas and Paul were sent forth from Antioch, it didn't mean that Luke wasn't going to do nothing. 
He went, he was sent elsewhere or he went, the Lord directed him elsewhere. So he went to this place called Troas and he joined the Apostle Paul. And he was obviously known by the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul wouldn't just have started assuredly gathering that he had called us to preach the gospel. The Apostle Paul wouldn't have joined himself with anyone straight away. He would have proved them over years to know that they could trust this man. So this, this man was known of Paul. Assuredly gathering the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Look, and this is, this is the first time that looks, we occurs. Now it's just for your own reading. When you're reading through Acts, follow on from that the times that it says we or Paul because Luke actually goes to Philippi. And Luke remains at Philippi for three years. Now that's not, when you read that carefully, you see it. That's where Paul rejoins him again in Macedonia and Philippi. So Luke was in Philippi for three years. So whenever you're reading the, the, the book of Philippians, just remember Luke was there for three years. Because one man's, one man's influence can permeate a whole church. And that's the most lovely. That's, as 2 Timothy is the saddest letter of the New Testament. Philippians is the happiest, the most joyful, the most full of love, the most full of radiant, radiant, beautiful love of Christ permeating the whole of that assembly and Paul's love to them and their love to him. So Luke was integral to the work in Philippi. So, but going back to the chapter one, this mission, that the commission that the apostles had been given, that they were to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. None of this took place until we get to, if we go to, go to the, uh, ch- the end of chapter 7. Well, just chapter 7, okay. They had appointed men over the ministration that was taking place to do with the feeding of the people. And they'd appointed seven men, full of the Holy Ghost, even over the, the servant of the food, full of the Holy Ghost and of honest men and of good report. And one of these men was Stephen. And Stephen was being persecuted and he gives this testimony. Because a man that's full of the Holy Ghost, if you listen to the words of Stephen, he's full of the Word of God. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're full of the Word of God. So Stephen gives his testimony. And then this young man called Saul, who was consenting unto his death, Stone him! Stone him! He was happy for Stephen to be stoned. He was holding the coats of the older people. But this man then, with his fury and his rage, he wanted to destroy the Christian church. So we read in chapter 8, and Saul was consenting unto his death. At that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. That's where they're supposed to go, Judea and Samaria, unto the ends of the earth. Except the apostles. They were the very ones told to go. Except the apostles. What as Mordecai said to Esther, if you don't do it, the Lord will deliver us from some other, there'll be some other means by which the Lord will deliver. But they were staying because there was still an outward fascination, a fascination with outward Israel, outward Jerusalem. There was still that, 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 that thinking that Lord shall, well this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. But these were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So, then there was a scattering abroad. And the men who were scattered abroad, even at that time, it says, they went everywhere and the hand of the Lord was with them, preaching to none but to the Jews only. Because at that time, it still hadn't registered with them because the Lord Jesus had said at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, go ye therefore and teach all 
Christians. That's the word Gentiles. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So, but it still hadn't sunk into them that this was not just for the Jews. They thought it was just primarily for them. But they went abroad preaching and the hand of the Lord was with them. Ordinary men and women who were scattered abroad telling people about the Lord Jesus because the apostles were still remaining in Jerusalem. They go abroad and they go as far as to Antioch and some of the Grecians which were Jewish proselytes were turned to the Lord, hand of the Lord was with them. And then a work of God began in Antioch. And Antioch became the center, as it were, of the work of God at that time. Take not no longer Jerusalem. But then, because even the apostle Peter, he had to receive a vision to show him that what God has cleansed, don't you call what common what God has cleansed? And then he stood, and then we know the story that Peter went down to, to Joppa, a town of Simon's house, and then three men sent for him, the Lord showed him a vision, and then he went into the Gentiles, and then he, he recognized that this was God has given repentance unto the Gentiles also. This was astonishing to him, and astonishing to all the other apostles, and to all the elders, so that Peter had to go up again to Jerusalem and explain to them everything that had happened, so that they were re- they, because they were so against what he had done. Because they knew it was unlawful for Peter to go in and mix with the Gentiles. At that time, the apostle Peter wouldn't have come in here and sat amongst us. So, Peter then explains it to them. And we read, if we read, and if we just go to chapter 9, I just want to point out something here just to show you. There's a big hinge, a big hinge, not only in the book of Acts, but in the very work of God, the, the work of God that had been promised from the beginning of the world up until this very time. There's a big hinge. And if you go to Acts chapter 9, okay, Acts chapter 9, right, I'll just show you, I'll just illustrate something here, right? Verse 9, sorry, chapter chapter 9, verse 1. I just, you just follow me here. Verse 1 begins, and. Verse 2 begins, and. Verse 3 begins, and. Verse 4 begins, and. Verse 5 begins, and. Verse 6 begins, and. Verse 7 begins, and. Verse 8 begins, and. Verse 9 begins, and. Verse 10 begins, and. Etc., 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 etc. You get the point. And. Okay. Verse chapter 10. It stops. Pre- prior to it, of chapter 9, the last three verses, 41, and. 42, and. 43, and. Chapter 10 stops. This is a massive hinge in the work of God. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. This was now the word of God going to the Gentiles. Abraham's name had been changed from Abraham to Abraham, the father of many nations. Psalm 66 says, God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall praise him, shall fear him. So, verse 10, sorry, chapter 10 then, the conversion of Cornelius, because God had used Peter, had chosen Peter to be the means by which the gospel would be opened, the door would be opened, the door of faith was opened unto the Gentiles. But the man who he was preparing to be the apostle to the Gentiles was the apostle Paul, who at that time was still in obscurity. Now, we have to realize that the conversion of the apostle Paul Apart from the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the most pivotal moment in the whole of human history was the conversion of that man on the Damascus Road. 
Let the weight of that sink in. That man's conversion, when he saw a light, he was going with rage and fury to, to put the Christians to death, but he saw a light above the brightness of the sun, above, outside, around, outside of this world, a light above the brightness of the sun. He said, who are you, Lord, as he fell on the ground? And that voice says, I am Jesus of Nazareth. That's the heavenly vision that Paul received. The Jesus that he was persecuting. But a man, a man, Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter, at the right hand of God. The implications that was revealed to Paul concerning that. The massive implications, everything, and all that truth that was conveyed to Paul's consciousness in a way in which he saw things that had not been revealed to any other man ever upon the face of the earth. But the Apostle Paul immediately went into the synagogue and he preached Jesus as the Son of God. We hear now a lot of, now I'm not, I'm not saying it in a ridiculing way, I'm not saying it, but we hear a lot of people now, it's all Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When David was the shepherd, he was David. When he was the king, he was King David, your majesty. Jesus, or Peter says, this same Jesus has God made both Lord and Christ. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Where's the sense of his majesty? Where's the sense of his dignity? Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. The Lord Jesus. Lord. We're in a generation where there's a lot of... It's, it's a, Paul talks, there's another Jesus. That's a Jesus, that's a familiar Jesus. It's not a Jesus that shines from the uttermost beam from his person with the light above the brightness of the sun. Paul saw him. And immediately he preached in the synagogue, Jesus is the Son of God. But it's not enough even if you have the revelation to tell people. People might know you, they can see your enthusiasm. But he, had, he went into Damascus, he went into Arabia for three years to learn the word of God. And then when he came back, he says, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Opening and alleging from the scriptures. He learnt the book. He got into the book. The Lord flooded that has flooded his soul with these words. And how we should be reading this book day and night, young men, old men, all of us, to be on fire. There's a young man, he's not here tonight. He's only been saved three years. And he's got a Bible. I've seen him recently, he's got a Bible and he's every single verse is underlined and marked. And it's like he's got a Bible and it looks as if it's 25 years old. I thought, I'm not letting a whippersnapper like that get ahead of me reading. So I thought that provoked me because we should be provoking one another and just in getting the word of God. So the apostle Paul, he got into the book and the book got into him and he came back. But again, pardon me, what, what, what time did I start, Derek? <laughs> pardon me. Well, the apostle Paul preached at midnight and after that he broke some bread and then he continued on to the father of Myrna. So I don't know if we've got any bread here tonight, but nevertheless, because we should, if you truly believe in Jesus Christ, he said, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. As the, the, the Hebrew writer said, we have, see, we have many things to say. We should have so much to say of Christ if he really is within us. So, the apostle Paul then, he was being prepared, and in obscurity, then he went up to Jerusalem, and he um, went up to Jerusalem, and then he, he spoke boldly. He spoke boldly in the synagogue, and that's the thing. When a man speaks boldly, it says of the, when they saw the apostles, they took, when they saw them speaking boldly, they took knowledge of them that they'd been with Jesus. Because the Lord Jesus spoke boldly. There was no, there was no, there was no, there was, there was nothing soft. There was nothing worrying about how you're going to affect people's feelings. There was a boldness. It was done, but it was done with love. It was done with, 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 with a heavenliness, but not, it, it was, there was a passion in it. 
So Paul spoke boldly, and they were, they were infuriated by this man. They were going to kill him. So the disciples took him down to Caesarea, and then he went down, back down to Tarsus. So he was back down to his home, his home country. And that was his home country where he had, even in his birth, even in his, because God's unconscious, Derek often points out, his, his pastor mentions it, but God's unconscious preparation. Because he was from Tarsus, which was a, a cosmopolitan city. There was people from all different nationalities. And so he had been brought up in that atmosphere of all these different types of, 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 of nations and people speaking different languages, different customs, etc., etc. And he speaks of it later. He says, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, he was actually from his mother's belly, he'd been separated by God. When it pleased God to reveal his son in me, that I may preach him among the heathen. So he went back down to Tarsus again, waiting and watching the Lord. He'd been given that commission, but he was still waiting. These men, the first mark, as was read out the other night, the first mark of the minister, being an old things approved ourselves as the ministers of God, and much patience, much patience. Again, he talks about the signs of an apostle. Now, if we would say, what's the sign, what's the first sign of an apostle? Oh, wonderful miracles, all, you know, all these wonderful things they do. Paul says, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So, that patience which is needed, and I'm only starting to learn it now, I think, to a certain extent, but we, we have to have that patience, that waiting in the Lord, and to know His timing, and to know His leading, and His guiding. Suppose in Tarsus, but Barnabas then went down to Antioch, and he saw the work of God that was taking place in Antioch, and he knew somebody is needed here. So he goes down to Tarsus, and he goes, it was him that introduced Paul to the apostles. So he went down to Tarsus, and he brought up Paul, and then we get to Acts chapter 13, and then we're reading here. This is beautiful. Now, there was in the church of Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, and Saul. It's lovely that. He took the lowest place. This man, Paul, was still in a relative obscurity. He wasn't pushing himself forward. And Saul, he was, you know, we read, we read, we read uh, shortly after they're sent forth and says, and Paul and his company... So then it became manifest that the gift that he actually had, Paul and his company. But the thing was, there was no envy here, as our brother Derek has pointed out. These men were praying and fasting for the Lord to work, to send forth men unto the work of God. And the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. But these men were so happy. They weren't, they weren't thinking, oh, well, I wish that had been me. They were going, oh, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You just send it for someone. They weren't envious. There was real love. There was real uh, esteeming each other better than themselves. There was a self-effacement. And so beautiful to behold that. So these were then, the Holy Ghost sent forth Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul were sent forth. The first place they came to was Cyprus, which was Barnabas's home country. Barnabas was from Cyprus. So they went there. And Paul started to preach unto the governor of the place. His name was Sergio Paulus. And Paul, after that, that was Paul's first convert after he'd been sent forth. And um, I believe that's the reason why he, uh, the scripture says in Saul, who was also called Paul, because he was of Roman, Roman citizenship. So he would have been born with that name. And that, that would have been suggested to him when he met this man, Sergio Paulus, because Saul was a Jewish name. And that would have been recognized as a Jew throughout wherever he went. But with the name Paulus, he knew that that opened the doors in many different many different ways. So he, that was the name then from henceforth he was called Paul. But he's also called Saul again later as well, or Brother Saul as he speaks in Acts chapter 15. But so these, this, 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 this work of God, and that's the thing, just I'll, I'll, I'll draw to a conclusion by pointing out 
This book of the Acts begins and it says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Began. So in the Gospel of Luke, when you go back, that's Jesus beginning to do and to teach. But the act of the apostles is Jesus continuing to do and to teach, but he's not doing it in the flesh. As we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, where it says, And the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. The Lord was working. Again, the people who were forth on the persecution, it says the hand of the Lord was with them. When Paul came to, when Paul came to, um, uh, true us, and it says, and he was talking to the ladies sitting down at the side of the river, talking to the women. And it says, and the Lord opened Lydia's heart. The Lord opened Lydia's heart. So the Lord was continuing to work as he is continuing even now. The Acts of the Apostles is an unfinished book. Christ hasn't stopped working. Amen. We're still seeing people's hearts being opened. Amen. That same light that the Apostle Paul saw on the Damascus Road mysteriously, that's the same light that we have seen. Because Paul says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We've seen Christ by the Spirit in that way. Not in the same way that Paul did. But we have, we've had that revelation of Christ that Peter said, Jesus said to Peter, Thou art the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father in heaven. And upon this rock, upon that revelation, I will build my church. So every one of us who have seen Christ by revelation, in that way, that he's been revealed to our hearts, we are the church of the living God. So this work continues. And just to, 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 just to close us off, where the Apostle Paul, if we go to the, the, the um, Acts of the Apostles, uh, sorry, we're already, pardon me, we're in the Acts of the Apostles. Apostles. If we go to um, uh, chapter 16, chapter 16. <clears throat> Verse 1. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess unbelieved, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him? Paul wanted this young man to go forth with him. Because Paul had preached in this city about three or four years previous to this, when he had been stoned. And he had seen, and Timothy would have witnessed that, as Paul says, Thou knowest the afflictions which came unto me in Lystra at Iconium, and you know, you, you wit- Timothy witnessed it. So, but Paul, this young man, Timothy, I just want to stress how important this young man is. This young man, Timothy, we've got the Timothy table there. Timothy is so important. This man, because the word, the very, very, and behold, a certain man, a certain disciple named Timothy, the, 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 the exclamation, behold, it means, right, watch this very carefully. Behold, it only occurs three times in the Acts of the Apostles. Behold, two men standing in shining garments. Again, behold, an Ethiopian eunuch. Behold, a certain disciple named Timotheus. This is, so keep, this is, this has got major importance. Because this is for the continuance of the apostolic ministry. That's why in all, most of Paul's epistles, it's Paul and Timotheus 
calling this young man who'd served him, who'd showed himself, who'd proved himself. He was well reported of by the brethren which were at Lystra and Iconium. So his ministry had increased, his brotherly ministry had been, all the brothers in different congregations were speaking well of this young man. Paul recognized by his own spiritual intuition and by the witness and the counsel of godly brethren, this young man, this is, this is, the, this is the man I want whispering. So that's why, if it hadn't been for this young man, Timothy, we would not have the letters that, that speak to pastors. And those letters are, just let me point out, and that's why we need, that's why we need the these and those. This is the book that God has honored for centuries. This is the book that God has blessed in countless revivals. We need the these and those. They're absolutely essential. The godly authorized version. But in Paul's writing to Timothy, in the first letter. Now we're, we're witnessing it because we are obviously to, to measure the fact that these ministers should, should, um, they should match up with the character that's described and they should be matching up to the charge that Paul has given. But the last phrase in Timothy's letter, Paul says, grace be with thee. Singular. It's you. Thee. Singular. That thou madest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the church of God. Timothy appointed the elders. Timothy appointed the deacons. There was an authority that had been given to that man. We don't like to hear that nowadays. We like to everybody to be, we're a democracy. But when God sends these men, there's an authority about them. And it's recognized. It's recognized. Give yourself wholly to these things that profit may appear to all. It becomes evident. And Paul says, you know the proof of him. There's a son with the father. He's labored with me in the gospel. For I have no man... I've no man like-minded who naturally care for your state. When you know somebody who naturally cares for your state, a minister who naturally cares, he hears something's wrong with you, something's wrong in your life and brings a tear to his eye and he wants to find out how can he help. Somebody who naturally cares. It's, 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 those are very, very, very rare men. And if you ever find a man like that, I'm telling you, treasure him. So Timothy, who naturally cared for the, for the state of the state, Paul had no man like-minded, for every man seeks his own things and not the things which is Jesus Christ. He's even talking about in the ministry. So this young man, Timothy, these epistles are left for us. And so the, so this, to show the continuation, the continuation of the work of God, because it said to Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, in his, his last letter, he says, oh, Timothy, sorry, the first letter, keep that which is committed to thy trust until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Paul was expecting there was going to be, there was a God, there's going to be godly ministers until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? There will be men of God. And that's what we need perhaps more than anything else in this world at this present time. We need men of God who are raised up, who are raised up to preach the gospel boldly. Now I was going to close there, just one thought, and it's really been on my heart, and just want to, I'll conclude with this. And it's, it's in a major, major turning point that we have to recognize in the, in the book of Acts, a major turning point, just before the Apostle Paul. You'll come across it yourself in Acts chapter 11. When the Apostle Paul, just before he was sent forth to preach the gospel as the, to the Gentiles, something happened when he was in Antioch. These prophets came down from Jerusalem, and one of them was called Agabus, and he stood up, and he signified by the Holy Spirit there was going to be a great dearth throughout all the world. And this came to pass in the days of Claudius, Caesar, so it's historically proven. So there was just before the gospel went for the blessing of mankind to all the earth, all the Gentiles who were in darkness, who were, who were in the captivity of sin and Satan and sin. What happened first? A great famine went throughout the earth. And the inscrutable wisdom of God, as Moses says in Psalm 90, thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, return ye children of men. 
Because men were brought into the reality of death and their own, their own mortality and how, how, how transient this life was. There was death all around them. And their hearts were much more open to hear the gospel. And we're living in a similar situation, I believe, at this time. With the whole world, there's a, there's, the, the world, there's an epoch ch- changing events that have taken place, which have affected the whole world. Whether that was a natural, that was a God caused natural disaster. I believe with all my heart, and I'm speaking on my own behalf, this what's happened to the world now is completely engineered. And we're, we're surrounded by deceit and lies and genocide as far as I'm concerned. But, nevertheless, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was engineered. But out of that, God brought the greatest blessing to mankind. So whatever is happening in the world, we don't want to be consumed with it. We know what's happening. But God can still work through that. And out of that, raise up, bring up, bring forth, bring, bring, bring to the fore of God's people. Men of God. Men who have, who've eaten the book. Men who can speak boldly. Men who love souls. So we should be looking for that, for the continuation of the work of God. As it were, beginning at Jerusalem and unto Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. May God grant that we may see it in our own day. And I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe it with myself. I don't care how bad it gets. Amen. I don't care if there's, there's just a few people of God left in the earth. Amen. The Lord has done it before. And that's the God we serve. That's the God we worship. Our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen. So let us have that faith. Let us have that trust. And let us cry to the Lord continually. And let us turn to the Lord with all our hearts Amen. to put away anything that's distracting. As things in my life, I've had to judge it just, you know, so you think you think it's harmless things, but things just, anything that wastes your time, anything, now's the time to seek the Lord with all your heart like never before. Get out of bed early in the morning. Get into that Bible. Get, in, get on our knees to really seek the Lord and thank the Lord for good examples before us that stir us up, that provoke us. To really cry to the Lord mightily that he'll do something so wondrous before the Lord Jesus comes again. Please forgive me if it sounds, if it may not sound right, but I even thought, I don't even, I don't want the Lord to come again yet because I want him to do something wondrous before he comes. I want to see something wondrous before he comes, not to be taken away in some Dunkirk so-called rapture, but to be here when the Lord Jesus Christ does something wonderful in the earth. And that's what I want to live for. And I'm glad to be with brethren who are like-minded, who can have these same desires and encourage one another. So may the Lord Jesus Christ grant that these words might have an echo in our hearts and that he might, he might cause his own glory and his own honor to shine, that the whole earth, as David says, the last words of David, Psalm 72, beautiful, the last, as it's the scripture says, Psalm 72, and we'll close with these words, Psalm 72. The psalm is entitled, A Psalm for Solomon, which is the son of David, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the promised king, the Messiah, the coming king, who's going to rule for all eternity and his eternal kingdom. A psalm of Solomon, and it ends. And he says, he's talking about the Lord Jesus, but in a time when it appears as if there's nothing, verse 16, there shall be a handful, just a wee handful of corn in the earth, so little, upon the top of the mountains, a place of barrenness, well, there's no, no earth. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon. 
and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Amen.